Hey there, badasses. This is Yanni, the Win Woman. And on this week's episode of Building Badassery, we're diving into chapter two, Building a Badassery Mindset, from my latest release book, Building Badassery, a guide to stepping into your own badassery and to staying there. So lots of topics we're going to be diving in today into really conducting an inventory check of what are your assets, what are the things that are holding you back, and more importantly, what can propel you forward. We're going to also explore the topic of dealing with disappointment and really building out our board of directors for sustainability. Remember, all the things that I'm teaching you here and we're going through week to week as you read Building Badassery and we're doing this read-along together are all about sustainability. And one of the things that I know for sure is that your mindset is number one. It's said that we think over 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those, 80% of them are negative and 95% are repetitive thoughts. So if we can't conquer how we're thinking about the things we're thinking about, it's going to be a difficult uphill road. But guess what? I'm here alongside you to keep you accountable and make sure that you got an action plan to move forward. So buckle in, badasses. This is Building Badassery. As always, let's swan dive right in. So mindset, let's take a second for to pulse check how you're feeling about it because I'm going to tell you years ago, mindset for me was a major problem in the sense that I just didn't want to deal with it. I saw, I saw mindset as really taking a d- deep dive with my feelings. And last week you might've heard the way I grew up and some of the things that I ended up doing and some of the anchors for me were to push things aside and not deal with them. So that was how I felt about mindset. I didn't have a great feeling about it. I just wanted to do action. But as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, we think 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts per day. And if 80% of those thoughts are negative, We need to change things up. We need systems in place for us to be able to shift, to pivot, and to to reframe what we're thinking. I want you to know that negative thoughts and negative feelings or emotions that are tied to, for example, anger, sadness, disappointment, all these things are not necessarily bad per se. They're, you can feel your feelings. It's good to understand that if you feel a negative thought, if you feel anger, if you feel rage, if you feel disappointment, sadness, you the list goes on, that that should be a red flag for you. You should ask yourself the question, why am I feeling this way at this time? And how long am I going to allow myself to feel this way? It's not about, it's not about not feeling them or pushing them to the side. That's not what I'm advocating for at this point and at this moment. It's about how are we pushing 
and understanding, pushing for and taking an inventory of how we are doing at the said time and what is our game plan to move out of it. You know, for a lot of us and during this pandemic, during COVID-19 and this 2020 infrastructure that we have, we've had to force ourselves to deal with a lot of really uncomfortable things. And we got to think about, you know, how many weeks are going to go by that we're going to continue to feel in that funk. It's okay to feel in that funk and feel the funk, but for how much longer? And that's what I want you to start thinking about today. How many of those thoughts are negative? Is it the 80%? Are 80% of your thoughts daily negative? What are we doing with that? Is that slowly diminishing the goals that you have set for yourself? Is it postponing you to do something greater? We want to start thinking about those things in the way that as we plan for the next year, but even the next day, the next week ahead. So this episode for me was, or this chapter rather for me was really about diving into, you know, how I got over not wanting to deal with my mindset, right? I thought, you know, I'm usually, and I am a half glass full kind of person. I'm always seeing the silver lining in things. I'm a positive person. I'm an optimistic person. I thought, you know, anytime that I had a strict allergy, I'm not, a, I'm not allergic to many things, or actually I'm not allergic to anything, but for that particular way and that, in that particular time frame, I used to think, well, you know what? what I am deeply allergic to is highly negative environments, right? I could not, in fact, my body has physical reactions when I'm in a highly negative environment. And so for me, what happens is that the lingering feelings after coming out of a negative environment is also something that I look really intently in, right? How I feel after I've come out of a negative conversation, being with a negative person, all those kind of things, right? But these are all things that I'm in control of. You are in control of you, of how you react to situations as you are in control of who you surround yourself by. So many of you know that I'm an adjunct professor at Florida International University in Miami, Florida. And the core subject matter that I teach is marketing. Specifically, the class that I've been teaching for the last three years is a class called Marketing Yourself. And this class is an amazing class that a lot of times marketing students take at the end of their career as an undergraduate student, a, a junior, a senior, and it's open to non-business majors as well. It's a class about how you are putting together your assets, building your brand on what it is that you want to project to the outside world, whether you want to be an entrepreneur or you're in the process of gaining your career. We work on a lot of things like your elevator pitch, your branding, how you know your personal and professional life mix, what's your why, what companies have your best interest in the sense of how do you select them. And so as I start off the course, one of the first assignments that I'm always giving that we give as faculty member of faculty members that are teaching this is called the raw assessments. And I absolutely love this assignment. And the students have an opportunity at the beginning of the course to take a full range inventory of their assets, right? And when I mean their assets, I mean their strengths, their weaknesses, their potential strengths. They're, you know, they have an opportunity to take 
I think I, I believe I have about nine different categories and they have an opportunity to interview you, their close loved ones, people that know them and get a sense for what they think of themselves but also what these other people think of them. And is it an alignment? Is what you have in mind for yourself the same thing that other people portray you as? And it's an, a great revealing assignment because it it allows for the student, it allows for the person to take a look at what they currently have. Like you're starting at zero and just like you would before you would analyze a business, you would take a look at your current inventory. What works? What doesn't work? What's the potential for some things to work? If I tweak this, this is what I can do. And so I love starting at that ground zero. And it's no different than for me to do this with mindset and really taking an inventory of where you are and understanding what are the, what are the fields and the room that I have left to grow. So I love this this piece of it that we that I write in the second page of chapter two, which is it's always good to have a surplus of C's. And I love this confidence, conviction, compassion, and consistency. I'm going to repeat that one more time. It's four C's, confidence, conviction, compassion, and consistency. In contrast, limiting beliefs, no matter how much they try to sneak their way in, have absolutely no place here. Limiting beliefs are those irrational and unhealthy convictions we have about ourselves or others that over time we have learned to accept as true. They result in exactly what they're named after, limitations. And I have, you know, I want you to take an opportunity as you read chapter two, because it's preparing you. Each chapter is preparing you for your plan, for your next step, for your big move, whatever it is that you need to take and you need to do, you're in a funk, you want to get out of it, what have you, this prepares you mindset wise to understand this arms you with the, uh, with the tools needed on how to check yourself when you're feeling a certain way. But to start with an inventory check is a great opportunity for you to learn more about where you have to grow. I share with you, and I recently was in this empowerment event, and one of the speakers and the panelists that I heard was talking about putting yourself first and things like that, but how they phrased it was, you know, you should at least be in your top five. And I have to tell you, I had a knee-jerk reaction to that because I was like, no, you need to be number one, top five. What does the fuck does that mean? Because I have to tell you that for me, that means if I was number five, that means four other people come ahead of me. I'm going to tell you here and set the record straight. There is no progress for you. If you continue to put yourself last, if you continue to put yourself in the position, that's not one number one. Waking up in the morning and just doing so, or whenever you wake up and just doing one thing first for yourself and making sure that you are thinking about how you are filling your cup first before you are starting to fill anybody else's. And I can already hear the sighs and the oohs and the ahs or the boos from people who have, you know, have other responsibility, aging parents, mothers, fathers, 
parents, whatever it is. And a lot of times we've been conditioned, husbands, wives, we've been conditioned that that person first, you have to do first for them before you do for yourself. And I cannot disagree with that more. Number one is you. You need to be able to prioritize, even if it's five minutes a day. And I ask you, can you find five minutes to put you first, carve out that time and build up to more time during a day? So I say this because I felt so passionate about it when I heard it. I was like, no, you are not in your own top five of putting yourself first because I automatically, who comes before you, you wake up, it's your body, it's your, you know, your life, your choice, and you are waking up from bed or you're, you're, you're doing stuff for others. After I've served other four people, three people, two people, do I have enough energy to even serve myself? Which is why I share with you that putting yourself first is a process. I'm not saying that it happens overnight. But it's a process of activities, of rituals, of routines. And we'll get into that because we have a chapter on on routines and rituals that you start to implement in your life so that you can gain back that energy for you. And then you're going to start to like it. I'm going to tell you very honestly, you're going to be like, you know what? Putting myself first feels real good, whether it's boundaries, whether it's opportunities that you see for yourself, taking some time off, true self-care, not just doing your nails and doing your hair, but actually true disconnected self-care. You're going to say, how can I fit more of this for my life? But again, it's a process. You start somewhere. So I ask you, carve out where is the five minutes in your day that you can push to yourself? And so as we deal with, with the mindset that's number one for me, for you to, to understand one red flag for me that always comes up most for people who are overachievers is disappointment. You're human and it's natural to feel this at some times, but just like most red flags, what you do with it and how you handle it will make all the difference in what happens next. Well, you know what time it is. It's motherfucking goose time. And for those new listeners who are listening to this and are like, what the hell is that? (laughs) This is the moment in our segment where I relate a personal story to what the topic is of the episode. So in this particular case, I will share with you that the the story that I'm going to share with you is one that's coupled with disappointment. And I mentioned in chapter two how to deal with disappointment. And if comes in many forms and phases, right? But knowing that disappointment is a red flag, right? How you feel in that disappointment energy is a red flag for you that you should put in mechanisms to handle and to deal with. And for me, I kept thinking to myself as I was building a business. So the story that I have to share with you this episode is really about the early on feelings that I had about building my business. And I will tell you that as I was building this business, it was about 2016. And it's very, very, I want to share with you that I opened a business under the name Young Strong Leaders back in 2011. And I had all these plans about how this looked like, what we're going to do, changing the face of education for our students. And then I just shelved the idea 
kept working my corporate job and, you know, thought about whenever I was going to bring back. I had a couple of consulting gigs every now and then, but it was one of those things for me that I just wanted to be able to just make some money on the side, but I didn't really make a plan for it. So in 2016 or actually 2015, I thought about, you know, I have always had the dream or had the desire to want to have a business and more importantly, have an MBA. I waited a couple years to go back to school, uh, about six years to go back to school. And, you know, I was starting my MBA. I started my MBA in 2015 and it was a 16 month program. So in the depths of 2016, I was really asking myself, what is the build business that I want to build? What is it for? Who is it for? I was thinking about all these things. And around August, 2016, I was building this business. I was making a website. I was doing all the things and I would do this really late in the evenings after, after my MBA classes. So my MBA classes were from four to from, well, I left work at four. Um, they would go from six to 10 PM. And then I would get home around, you know, 11 PM. And then I would splash some water in my face and I'd get to work. And I realized that a lot of times I was one of the things that I was advised on at the early on is surround yourself with entrepreneurs, right? And if you are an entrepreneur and or an inspiring entrepreneur, what you need to think about is how are you going to level yourself up, do things and be in groups that are scary as hell that will move you to action. And at that point, and in, in that, in that point of my life, this was the is a mastermind group that I joined and people had their own businesses. And these are women that were, you know, at that time I was in my late twenties and these are women in their forties and beyond that were building their business, have had their businesses for a couple years. And so that scared the shit out of me. And I joined the group and I was looking at it and those stories inspired me, but I couldn't help to think that I wasn't doing enough. And this was, you know, what, led into some disappointment for me because I'm like, how am I going to ever compete with um, with them? And I didn't necessarily think of, of these women as competitors because we were in totally different in totally different um, industries. But I thought of them as like their work ethic. But here's the thing, I was comparing apples to oranges, right? My business was, in its infancy stage, their business was five plus years. They had, or 20 years under their belt. I can't compare my business to a person who has been working in their business for 20 plus years. Plus I was doing this not as a full-time job. I was doing this on the side. I had a full-time job. So all of these factors weigh in to what I was doing. A good friend of mine, Luli B. Carreras, um, who was an excellent women's empowerment entrepreneurship coach here in Miami, you know, had this term, they're calling this termed comparisonitis. And I'm going to tell you, I had a real case of the comparisonitis. And it really began with a good friend of mine, Gabby. And I mentioned Gabby in the book. And she is the co-founder or she's a founder of Las Comadres, who's another entrepreneurship group, female entrepreneurship group here in Miami as well. And let me tell you something. Let me back up and say that I absolutely love quit stories. 
when I, I, I can listen to them all day long. In fact, sometimes I would search for them because it would be the search for inspiration about how one day I was going to leave my corporate job. And, you know, Gabby's quit story left no, left no disappointment. Like I loved hearing it. And I heard it a couple of times, you know, Gabby and I met in 2016 we were both very politically active and we were doing uh, a series of events for millennial women or young women as well to get politically engaged and involved and involved in the political process, voting and getting involved with local um, local groups that empowered women. And so we met in 2016 and she had a, a market sort of a marketing agency, but she's a branding master. And I took a couple of her branding classes, but she would describe her quit story where she came from New York, she had her son and she worked for a marketing agency. And then one day, you know, didn't align with her anymore. And, you know, she up and quit and started her own business. And I'm definitely simplifying it. There's such glorious and juicy details to her story. So I had heard her story before and then she had came, come, excuse me, she had come to one of the mastermind sessions and she was sharing that story again. And for some reason, and I, it's, I heard it the second time, but for some reason that day, it just didn't land for me the same way. That day I had an enormous amount of regret in the sense of thinking to myself, but when am I going to have my, my quit story or how come my business is not thriving the way Gabby's is? And I kept comparing and comparing and comparing. I started feeling, you know, I was really happy for Gabby and the things that she was doing. I just was really ultra disappointed in myself. And I will share with you one of my biggest downfalls that I am always keeping that pulse check on is the comparison itis gremlin that I, that continues to show up for me in a number of ways, but I got to keep that person or that gremlin in check because it's a matter of asking that the thoughts, the questions of like, but what are, why do I feel this way? Am I really truly comparing, comparing these things equally, right? She had been in business for much longer than I had. I had just started this business. I'm trying to figure out what I was going to do and I'm comparing it. You know, why am I not making thousands of dollars already? And so that's one thing that I want you to keep a check on is how are you dealing with, how does comparison itis show up for you in your life and how are you processing through it? And what are your questions that you're asking yourself about getting through it? You know, the truth is, and this is this is a reality of things, is that I'm a naturally competitive person. For those of you who know me and those of you who are getting to know me, I will tell you my strengths finder. If you've ever taken the assessment, the Gallup strengths finder, my my number two strength, my number one is, I believe, ideation, innovation. My secondary strength is competition. I love being able to compare. I mean, competition is all about comparison, benchmarking, being the best, you know, having something to strive for, having some kind of metric benchmark that you are hitting consistently. So it's natural for me to compare and see where I'm doing. It's a motivator for me to see, oh, these are great, successful businesses. I want to be there. But it's not even I want to be there. It's that I want to be there and I want to be better right? And that is, that's where I'm coming from. And I realize that a lot of times 
we are building ourselves up for failure and for disappointment when we start comparing ourselves to things that are not achievable, but are not, you know, actually, you know, apples to apples. And so I, ask you to start thinking about where you fit into that equation and how you're comparing your daily lives and your businesses or your work life to other people. All right, so how do we move on from comparisonitis? I have provided in the chapter three ways for us to think about moving on and really feeling and getting out of that funk, right? So the first way is really to acknowledge where you are without judgment. I realize that this is easier said than done, but take a moment to realize how far you've come and appreciate the fact that it's okay to press pause at this time before spiraling out. Number two, ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Try to decipher what is at the core of this feeling and even deeper, what really triggered this? This is super important because a lot of times it just doesn't, triggers don't just happen in the moment, it's not happenstance, right? It happens because the likelihood of us being in a position where we have been you know, disappointed or something has happened, it's usually because it's happened multiple times. So identify what the trigger is and what it, what really happened, what really triggered this. Finding your triggers can help you better prepare yourself for how to manage and how to handle future scenarios. And number three, commit to one action to move forward. Maybe you're seeing red at this point and the action for you is to to take, to stop, to pause, walk away and come back to the task leader. This is perfectly okay. Take one step at a time to see the overall progress and not fall victim to negative thinking. So those are the three. I go into a little bit more detail within the ep- within the actual chapter of other methods, whether it's playing a song, you know, calling a friend, that sort of thing in order to get you out of the funk. I will tell you, and this is what is most important, and I will share with you, has helped me, is surrounding yourself with key people. I had heard this, and I don't remember who was the one that said it, so I can give proper credit, but they, the saying goes, you are, and I've said it in season one of Building Badassery, the podcast, is you are a compilation of the top five people in your life. And what you have to do is understand who are those type five people and what are they doing for me that either is propelling me forward or anchoring and holding me back. So this is what's important in understanding how I to how to identify a board of directors. Just like a company has a board of directors to provide them advice to move forward, to be fruitful, you should have a personal board of directors to do the same. So Oprah once said, surround yourself only with the people who are going to take you higher. Think about that for a moment. You can't underestimate the effect the people around you have on your mindset. So who's in your board of directors, badasses? Who are the people that are lifting you higher? those people who are your truest supporters. 
These are some questions that you can take into consideration when identifying the people around you to be in your board of directors. Do they truly have my best interest at heart? Will they hold me accountable? What traits do they have that I lack? What value do they bring to the table? Have I outgrown this person? Do their core values align with mine? This vetting process will allow for true reflection and alignment of those around you on your path to building badassery. Selecting these people will determine your commitment to yourself by making a conscious decision to be in the presence of only people who lift you up and not drag you down. And that, badasses, is a wrap for this week's episode of Building Badassery and chapter two of my latest release book, Building Badassery. And we dealt with a lot, man, we swan dove into a lot of different themes on mindset, understanding and taking inventory of yourself, what are your assets, understanding how to deal with disappointment, how to move on from those things, understanding your red flags and putting parameters in place to get out of those red flags. I dive into this a little deeper inside the book, but one of the things that I love most is about how you build out your board of directors and understanding the people who are in your life, should they be there and should you bring out new people and find those people who are going to take you to a higher level. So here's the thing, we talk a lot about sustainability in this book, in this podcast. That's one of my themes for my business. I'm not interested in creating something of value and you shouldn't be either that and then merely letting go of it or letting it drift away. I mean, really, what the fuck is the point of that? We are we are interested in, however, creating a new narrative. Our stories are our own and they begin with sustaining our new mindsets. So in Building Badassery, at the end of chapter two and at the end of each episode, at the end of each chapter, you'll find exercises that you can take with you and start helping you really unpack some of these lessons as we go through it. Next week, I'm excited to dive into chapter three, which is about putting into action some of these things that we've already unpacked to setting goals and how do we establish accountability. Once again, I am the win woman, Yanni, and I'm looking forward to helping you hold yourself accountable to your new mindset, your new life, and the new goals that you set for yourself. This is Building Badassery.